in small amounts, there's nothing inherently wrong with a carbohydrate. But what happens is, is the excess consumption is definitely inflammatory. And it really becomes the issue because when we look at Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's is type three diabetes of the brain. And it's these excess longstanding consumption of carbohydrates, refined foods over the allotted caloric value that end up causing brain damage. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am bringing on a dear friend who personally takes care of me, and her name is Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. I invited Dr. Gabrielle to come onto this podcast to shed some light on how to extend our longevity as we age, plus she's going to be debunking some myths around protein. Now, I can't tell you how personally grateful I am to Dr. Gabrielle, not only for her expertise in taking care of my body as my doctor, but she's incredible in the research and she's a pioneer in longevity. And the key that she has studied is it's all about our muscular health, so our neuromuscular system. Now, before I bring Dr. Gabrielle on and have her break down the importance of muscle in the body and why it's the organ of longevity, I wanted to share a couple things about what is going on in my world. One, I wanted to make sure that you knew that we started releasing two podcast episodes each week on Tuesdays and Fridays. Now, I started this at the beginning of January, and let me tell you, the response has been remarkable. Literally, this podcast is bringing on just the most remarkable listeners like yourself, and it's all because of you. So I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and sharing these episodes with someone in your life that could use a little wellness inspiration. As you know, I created this podcast to give women more insight about their bodies and to provide an explanation for why they aren't feeling like themselves, but are not sure what is going on. I don't know if you've ever been there where like all of a sudden you have less energy, you feel wired and tired, you're not sleeping right, you're feeling stressed and overworked, but you're not sure what is going on inside of the body. Well, that is why, that is why I'm here. And recently I surveyed 9,000 plus women and I asked them to prioritize their biggest health concerns and the top three issues that came up over and over again were number one, not being able to lose stubborn weight plus unrelenting cravings. Number two was feeling exhausted and overwhelmed pretty much every day, one or the other. And number three, experiencing brain fog from either not enough sleep or feeling stressed all the time. And I have a feeling that you too may have experienced one or more of these symptoms. And as I mentioned before, still just can't seem to figure out what is going on. I also have a feeling that like me, you are busy. And you probably want more than anything is just having clarity and confidence that there are real solutions that will finally work without harmful side effects. Even if you have tried all the things over the years and they haven't yet worked for you the way that you hoped. Well, as you know, that is exactly why I'm here today. I was in this exact situation several years ago. For many years in my mid-20s to late 20s, my body was trying to tell me something and I ignored all of the warning signs. I was experiencing migraines, horrible periods, bloating. I was tired when I woke up every day. 
and literally I was carrying around a bag of over-the-counter meds in my purse for headaches and neck pain. And as I started on my journey towards healing, I began to realize that millions of other women were dealing with very similar issues and it was not their fault, just like it's not your fault. See, I know how it feels to not have the answers and to feel dismissed or even told that I was going to have to live with these issues, but I refuse to accept that answer. Someone else was not going to write my story for me for my health. So although my journey wasn't easy, it was 100% worth it, and I learned so much that opened the doors for more research and that opened the doors to more greater healing for the women that I have taken care of over the years. Now, the culmination of my research over the years is all in my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, which is literally out two weeks from now. And just to celebrate, this has been a, I'm taping this on a weekend, and this has been the most spectacular, remarkable weekend. The book has dropped all the way down to, it's ranked like number 200 in all of the millions of books on Amazon right now. And I have no words for how incredible that is. And, you know, it's number one in multiple categories. We're still a couple weeks out or maybe, no, maybe not a couple weeks out. I think we're about a week out from today. It's a couple weeks out right now. And I can't tell you, I just want to say thank you so much if you've grabbed your copy. I know right now that Amazon actually has it on sale. So thank you, Amazon gods, for for putting the book on sale. So if you go and grab it, you're going to find that it's at least 30% off or maybe 35% off at the moment. And it is such a great resource. So I can't wait, can't wait to get this into your hands. And let me tell you, I have been excited to get this book out to you for a couple of years now. It's literally a dream come true. And as you can imagine, this book really tackles the why behind hormonal imbalance and the solutions that you need at your fingertips. Now, as a small token of my appreciation for grabbing your copy, because I want to just give you all the gratitude and all the goodies, I have created the most amazing bonuses that you are going to love as a big thank you for pre-ordering your copy of my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. That's right. You can begin to balance your hormones like right now with these bonuses that I created for you today. And how you get these amazing bonuses? Well, step one is go and pre-order that book wherever you love to order books, whatever your favorite online retailer is. As you can imagine, everyone is pretty much loving Amazon right now because it's significantly on sale on Amazon. It has been for a couple weeks and it's such a great price. It's just so easy to not to not want to go and get it. Step two is you're going to go to my website, drmarisa.com slash hormone book. That is D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A dot com slash hormone book. And you can find it in my profile link on Instagram, which is at Dr. Marisa. It's on the website. It's all over Facebook. I mean, it won't be hard for you to find. Number three, enter your details, literally just your name and email, and we will be sending those bonuses instantly into your inbox. And if you've already purchased the book or you're receiving it from the Essential Oils Hormone Summit, just go to that link, drmarisa.com slash hormone book, put in your info and voila, you'll get those instant bonuses as well. Now, what you're going to get, what do these bonuses entail? I think these are so exciting. I had spent a good chunk of the year creating these just for you. You're going to be getting my self-care rituals video series. You're getting my hormone masterclass series. 
five expert interviews from the EO Hormone Summit, so incredible protocols for liver, thyroid support, emotional support, resetting your hormones for weight loss. I mean, these protocols are legit, and they're in those five interviews. You're going to get instant access to module one of my Essential Oil One course, my top 11 supplement hormone guide, how to banish cravings, and how to balance your hormones in your purse, and so much more. And then what you're going to gain from the book, because I think that that's important. Well, one, this book is offering a step-by-step program to reset the body through focus and deliberate changes through daily self-care aided all the way with the power of essential oils. And as you can imagine, there are so many recipes in this book. You are going to have such a great time. Recipes for stress hormones, chronic fatigue, sleep insomnia, weight challenges, women's hormones, emotional balance, cognitive challenges, digestion and detoxification, and so much more. So I can't wait for you to get your hands on this book. We are so close to the finish line of this going live. And I just want to say thank you so much for supporting this and believing in me enough to go and get this gorgeous resource. All right, woo! let's dive into this epic conversation on how to extend longevity as we age. Plus, we're going to be talking about debunking myths about protein. But before I do, I want to quickly sing Dr. Gabrielle's praises. Now, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is a functional medicine physician specializing in muscle-centric medicine. She leverages evidence-based medicine with emerging cutting-edge science to restore metabolism, balance hormones, and optimize body composition. Dr. Lyon's ongoing work is focused on metabolism, muscle, and body composition optimization. She is nationally recognized as an authority. She is a regular speaker, a sought-out expert and educator, and she sees her patients in New York City. You can go and check her out at drgabriellelyon.com. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Honey, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am so good. And you know what? I just miss your voice so much. You are such a bright light in my life. And I am so excited that you are sharing your brilliance here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be part of your podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. We are talking about how to extend your longevity as we age. And let's be honest, you know, we think about longevity and longevity is how we keep our bodies ageless in a lot of ways, right? How do we keep from getting sick? How do we keep from chronic conditions? How do we keep looking and feeling amazing from the inside out? This is your expertise. And disclaimer to everyone listening right now as well, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is also my doctor. So she is working on my longevity as well. So we're going to be, I won't be talking about my case per se, but just know this is how incredible this woman is. I trust her with my own life and so excited for her to be able to share this with you. So Dr. Gabrielle, honey, I know a lot about your wellness journey and, and your journey into medicine, but what has you on this pathway? What, what was the impetus for you to really dig into this area of expertise? So I studied human nutrition, vitamin, mineral metabolism. And as you know, personally, Liz Lipsky is my godmother. And for those of you who don't know who that is, she's one of the old G's of functional medicine. She was one of the original functional medicine nutritionists. I moved in with her when I was 17. And that changed the trajectory of my concept of medicine and health and, and things related to longevity and wellness. 
After that, I did a lot of schooling and then I really saw the healthcare problem. And the problem was everyone was focusing on obesity, obesity as it relates to longevity and cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all of these things, Alzheimer's disease. But really what I felt that people needed to focus on was the solution. And the solution was, and it still is really maintaining the musculoskeletal system because muscle is the largest organ of the body. And I'm going to say that again, muscle is not just for locomotion. It is essentially an endocrine organ, meaning when you contract it and at rest, it secretes things. So I became so fascinated with this concept of aging and and I saw the difference between those who had a body composition that was more muscled and less body fat. And I saw the way that they aged. And I knew that that really, when you focus on longevity, is the key. And that is what kind of painted the picture for me for wellness. And this is a really intriguing area of expertise, particularly because a lot of people, as you mentioned, don't focus on this at all. And I'll be honest, you know, I don't I can't speak for all of my less listeners, but when I was in practice, my patients, mostly women, mostly in their 40s and 50s, were willing to eat anything I told them to eat. But in terms of moving their bodies or exercising, I felt like that was kind of like a no-go. Have you experienced that at all in your in your practice or in general with people? Or do you find people are moving towards working on their musculature, their neuromuscular skeletal system? I think that initially people are much more resistant, no pun intended, to resistance training. And I think that goes along the lines of a lot of myths surrounding it. They don't want to get bulky. They're afraid of lifting weights or they feel intimidated just by the gym. And I think that a lot of the time as women, we tend to move towards a softer modality to move our body, whether it's Pilates and yoga or bar class, all of those things are essential. But when it comes to maintaining longevity, as you age, those are focused only on one area of the body system, whether it's mindfulness and movement, flexibility, things along that nature, but physical resistance training and really heavy loads as heavy as possible are not done. And it's because I think that it's just intimidating for people. So there is somewhat of a resistance because of that. I agree with you there. And I think a lot of people, like you said, don't understand. There's a lot more myths. A lot They, they can definitely convince themselves on the negative aspects than on the positive aspects. And I really educate a lot of strength training. I don't necessarily talk a lot about super heavy weights, but I know how important it is. Most specifically, I talk a lot about optimizing metabolism. And can you, can you speak to that? You know, a lot of people are choosing yoga or Pilates or hiking or running or whatever. My mom in particular, mm-hmm. my mom runs a lot. And I tell my mom, all the time like mom you have to lift weights and I think a lot of why she runs I think she averages like 90 to 100 miles a week why she runs is that it's it's also a stress reliever for her so I think it's more things than that because I tell her time and time again I'm like there's areas where she hasn't dropped as much weight than other areas and I'm like that's ultimately because it's not revving up your metabolism like weight training, like muscle will. So can you speak to that, that the necessity of working those muscles for metabolism and for helping to maintain that? Absolutely. Let's set the stage for why muscle is this metabolic organ. When we think about muscle, we often think about running and moving our bodies. 
as a metabolic organ, we think about the responsibilities of muscle. And number one, it is responsible for glucose uptake. 80% of the sugar and carbohydrates that you eat are taken up by muscle. There in alone, we know that carbohydrates is a challenge for people. So when it comes to being able to have, say, dietary flexibility, the more you move your muscle, the greater your, your glucose and carbohydrate uptake. Can you talk a little bit about dietary flexibility, Gabrielle, and what does that mean? Because what we're seeing today is that a lot of people do not have that type of flexibility. Correct. Dietary flexibility is the capacity to say, eat a certain amount of carbohydrates, right? So you can eat a certain amount of carbohydrates and you really don't have any weight gain or any metabolic issues. Your blood sugar doesn't go too high, doesn't go too low. You can tolerate numerous kinds of diets, whether it's a ketogenic style diet for a short period of time, whether it's different ratios or protein of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Well, and how I think of it is if I were to go to Disneyland tomorrow, I'm just going to give an example. <laughs> just, and I decided to just like, girl, I decided to eat some Disney churros <laughs> and uh, some other things. Let's just say that I wouldn't, not that it's not, not that that would be good for me, but let's just, people are on vacation, they're going to Disneyland, or they're doing something like that. And mainly because Alex and I were at Disneyland a couple weeks ago and he did eat some churros and there was no movement on the scale because Alex has some, he has metabolic flexibility. Right. We work out all the time. He does heavy lifting. He could get away with that day maybe even two days of that without any real significant shift in his, in his weight. Absolutely. And one of the reasons he's able to do that is because likely his muscle glycogen, the storage form of energy in the muscle is depleted when you lift weights. So when you are exercising and especially when you're lifting weights, you are able to empty those storages and then fill them back up with food. The problem becomes when you're not exercising and those glycogen storage there, it's already full, you begin to spill over into the bloodstream and you begin to put on fat. So that is, you know, one thing that is really important. Another thing I wanted to ask, Gabrielle, girl, I got so many questions for you. And we're oh, really <laughs> helpful for people. So let's say, yeah, we're not moving our bodies. We're sedentary. We've got those glycogen reserves have been there for quite some time. How does this negatively impact the liver? Right, because now we've got the liver playing a role trying to manage a lot of this because liver being our next glycogen reserve storage. Do you find that this has a negative impact on our liver as well? Of course, this is a really good point. It does. We've all heard of this increase in fatty liver disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And one of the reasons is overconsumption of calories and in particular carbohydrates. It's very hard when we talk about, say, dietary protein. Nobody has ever gotten liver disease from too much dietary protein, but this excess carbohydrates and excess fat definitely affect the liver. And uh, that can be very detrimental. And I think people don't realize that yes, a high carbohydrate, high sugar diet, and you're not moving your body, you're not, you're not really managing your metabolism through movement, that you are going to get a fatty liver. That's what your, your liver has to convert that over to fat. I mean, it's much more complicated than that, but that's why we have a fatty liver is this lifestyle that we're working or there's lack of lifestyle that we're working on. Okay. I want to shift the conversation because I, I have some really important questions as well to ask. And is there anything more that we should know about muscles besides being a component of movement and strength? One, we understand that the glycogen reserves are so important and the metabolic flexibility, which I know you can't emphasize enough how important that is. 
anything else that we should be mindful about in terms of longevity? Absolutely. So it's responsible for your resting metabolic rate. It's responsible for the calories you burn at rest. And as you age, if you don't care for that tissue, the muscle tissue, as it becomes less, right? So as you become sarcopenic, which means you have a poverty of flesh, you know, as as people get older, you often see them almost shrink physically. That muscle is responsible for just your, the largest portion of energy metabolism. So everyone said, oh, my metabolism is just slow. Well, the more muscle you have and the healthier your muscle is, the more energy expenditure you have. So your resting metabolic rate is higher, the overall amount of calories you burn at rest. That is really important. So that's why yo-yo dieting is a real problem because every time people lose weight, they're not tracking whether it's muscle weight or fat weight. They're just tracking overall weight. And typically it's often 50-50 muscle and fat. And as you yo-yo diet, you begin to destroy that integrity of the muscle tissue. So it's really important to have dietary interventions to always make sure you're feeding the muscle tissue first. Another really important point is that it's a site for lipid oxidation. And what that means is essentially fatty acid oxidation. So we're looking at people with high levels of cholesterol. The muscle metabolizes fatty acids. And that's that's another non-statin or non-medication way to be able to help your body heal and, and maintain homeostasis. So I was working with a patient uh, about a, a couple of weeks ago. Her name was Cheryl. I'll be honest with you. Cheryl has never really moved her body. She wasn't at the generation where that was really going on. Maybe there was some Jane Fonda back in the day with like jazzercise, but like what just wasn't the thing that she was doing. And now here she is in her fifties and, you know, I'm like moving your body is so key. And I think her concern so much is one, she's never done it, but two, I feel like she's felt like she's never really had she doesn't think she has the capacity to really build the muscle mass at this point. So it's kind of just like, doesn't feel like it's going to serve at this capacity. You know, we, so there's a lot of women listening to this who are thinking to themselves, well, I have probably already lost a lot of muscle mass or never had it to begin with. You know, what do, what do we do in those circumstances? You know, as we get older in our, into our, our forties or fifties or sixties. And mind you, I will say as a caveat to everyone who's thinking this, my mama is 58 years old and does have a lot of muscle and looks pretty darn good. So I know that it's possible, but a lot of people don't think it is. I think that really setting your expectation and not being limited by your mind, you and I both know individuals in their 50s that are outstanding, right? So we have a community of healthcare providers. These women are in their 50s and they look amazing. And oh, yeah. goodness, right? I was and, just with JJ just yesterday and she was in a group of people and everyone wants her arms, you know, everybody yeah. wants the JJ arms. And she was like, you know, like, that's why people sign up to do what I do. They're like, how do we get, how do we get sexy and sleeveless? How do we get those arms? I'm like, you guys, it isn't even about those arms. Have you seen her abs? Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to say how old JJ is, but um, she is in her fifties. And it's possible. So this is an example. If if one person can do it, it should move people towards the thought that it is possible. And one thing that they can do is it's never too late to start lifting weights and to actually start lifting heavy weights. So we know that muscle responds to two things as you age. One, it responds to dietary protein. And that would be, we all know, chicken, beef, turkey, all of these things, dietary protein and resistance training. So having a 
plan that enables you to have both of those things, there is no reason why your body wouldn't put on muscle mass because the body wants muscle tissue. It wants to feel and be healthy. Mm. And would you recommend, my gut tells me that someone's like, okay, so you're saying there's a dietary component here, which there clearly is. Could someone start with the dietary component first or do they need to really begin to do both at the same time? You can start with a dietary component first. In fact, it's essential to get, you can't do one without the other. It's essential to get that dietary component absolutely in place. And what does that look like? That looks like high quality protein at every meal. And for my patients, and I have tremendous success stories. I mean, unbelievable for women that have never been able to lose weight, have yo-yo dieted, have tried. I've had one woman bring in two stacks of diet books that she's tried and not able to do it. I track their skeletal muscle mass and their fat mass. And here's how you do it. For nutrition strategies, the first meal of the day needs to have 30 grams of protein. It doesn't matter how they get it. And maybe the people listening are thinking, well, what are 30 grams? Well, if you look at the back of, say, a whey protein shake, it'll say 30 grams. If you look at the back of a plant protein shake, it may say 30 grams, but if it's a plant-based protein, essentially you cut that number in half. So it's then maybe around 15 grams. So you have to get up to a 30 gram mark. And if you're going to have ground beef, which yes, for me, I actually have that for breakfast. That's about four ounces, four to even five ounces. And you do a strategy like that three times a day. And that is enough to, and it doesn't have to be three times a day. Say you only eat twice a day. Then it's about getting that high quality protein, a minimum of 30 grams at each time you eat, whether it's twice a day, three times a day, but that is really the key. Okay, that's the key. And does the amount, because let's say it's three times a day, we're looking at 90 grams. I'm oftentimes a, I do a lot of intermittent fasting for supporting cortisol levels. So I eat twice a day and I do a lot of protein both times. Am I looking for something close to 40 grams per meal? You are. And in fact, the minimum protein I recommend per for women is 90 grams a day is minimum. Okay. Because I don't want people to be too hungry. And if they're going to replace calories with something else, then I'd prefer it be from a dietary protein source and not necessarily a fat or carbohydrate. And I'll tell you why. One, we have dietary protein for muscle health. But number two, it actually feeds the immune system. So dietary protein, the amino acids, say glutamine, for example, feeds the immune cells. That is why it's so important. So it's these structures, these amino acids, these building blocks of protein do way more than build muscle. If you have a parasite infection, the parasites tend to sequester protein, right? If you have digestion issues, the enterocytes, which are the cells of the, the, cells of the intestines, sequester protein. So you need to actually get more in your diet. And as you age over the age of, say, 45, you begin to get what's called anabolic resistance in the muscle. And what that means is that the same amount of dietary protein that a 20-year-old could eat to trigger that muscle health is about double that for someone older. So it's pretty important that they get this right, that any individual who wants to feel healthy gets this information correct. 
what I was really thinking about was this feels very simple. It doesn't feel necessarily like a ketogenic diet. It doesn't feel necessarily like a paleo diet. What would this be? It's just ensuring that we're getting the amount of dietary protein. Are we being mindful of carbs? Are we, or as, as long as we're getting those 90 grams, we're okay. I mean, clearly not advocating sugar or processed foods or anything like that, but is it okay to eat spinach? Is it okay to get those healthy fats? What does that normally look like? Sure. So I consider this an optimal protein diet. When we think about what this is, is your backbone of your nutrition is based on protein. Then if you are looking for optimizing body composition, decreasing body fat and increasing lean muscle or lowering insulin levels, then really for women, you want to go 30 grams or less of carbohydrates per meal, high quality carbohydrates. This does include vegetables. I mean, that's a lot of vegetables. And the reason I chose 30 grams is because of the science. Anything over 30 grams can increase insulin levels a bit too high, right? So it's about also keeping insulin in check, keeping inflammation in check so that you can then build muscle. In terms of dietary fat, oh, and let me say I start patients with 30 grams of carbohydrates three times a day if they need it. So it's about 90 grams, which is lower than what the RDA recommends, but probably higher than what people need. 90 is probably a bit higher. I know that may sound scary to people, but I would encourage them to get their protein right and they'll feel amazing. And then you add in a little bit of carbohydrates and they'll find that they don't even need that much. And in terms of fat, I tend to see where they're at, right? So I would go, I wouldn't go over 20 grams of fat per meal. It all depends on, again, that metabolic flexibility. Some people do better on higher fat and some people do better on lower fat. I know for myself, I tend not to do better on higher fat. A lot of the women that I work with tend to gain weight if the fat intake is too high. And this is hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if a ketogenic diet is right for everyone and anyone. You know, I've seen a lot of a lot of conflicting evidence, a lot of mainly conflicting case studies with my patients in terms of, you know, whatever their hormone concerns are, it doesn't always necessarily work in their favor. But I mean, you really just have to know your body more than anything. The one thing I do know for sure is that protein does play a major role in helping to support our metabolism. Now, you had mentioned a little bit about plant sources and animal sources. And, you know, I know that there are definitely some listeners on here that are probably focused on plant sources more than animal-based sources. What is the difference? You, you did mention for a moment that if you are eating plant sources, that you're going to probably need to double up on that. So if it says 30 grams, you're going to need twice that amount. So can we speak to, it's the way that it's metabolized. Is that correct? It's the amount of branch chain amino acids. So there's essential and non-essential amino acids. And plants tend to have a high amount of non-essential amino acids, whereas the quality of protein is really determined based on the essential amino acids. And the key amino acids for muscle health are the branch chain amino acids, which are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And in plant sources, those three will focus really on leucine are particularly low. So the key, without getting too into the science and too complicated, the key is really getting two and a half grams of leucine. And nobody needs to look that up or no one needs to, to really... It won't be on the back of a label oftentimes, but it's that two and a half grams of leucine, which actually trigger muscle protein synthesis. So what does that mean? Taking that back to a plant source, plant sources are notoriously low in leucine. So in order to get the 
correct amount because it's a it's a trigger effect. It either happens or it doesn't. You either stimulate muscle protein synthesis or you don't. So in order to get that stimulus to happen, typically you have to have, you know, a safe thing to do would be to double that number. So if you see that it's 30 grams of hemp protein, you could probably go up to 45 grams because that's what you would need to get enough leucine. To make it really simple for your listeners, they can use whatever plant protein they want, but they should then put in a branch chain amino acid powder, and that would then bring up the quality of that protein. Got it. So they would have to combine. Correct. Got it. Okay. Clearly, we, we are definitely a protein-consuming culture in a lot of ways, but there are definitely a lot of myths around protein, that pro- that animal-based protein can be inflammatory. There's concerns that, well, may, that's a big one, right? That we, we may not be breaking them down. It could be burdensome on the, the digestive system. Could you speak to a li- some of those myths that are going on? So they're actually all myths. What is inflammatory really is excess caloric load in general, and it's not protein right? It's very hard for people if they're just eating protein to get an excess caloric load from protein. Protein is notoriously anti-inflammatory and not inflammatory for some of the reasons I'd mentioned. It's really important for gut health. It's really important for neurotransmitters. It's really important for the immune system. I would say the biggest inflammatory issue is dietary carbohydrates and oxidized fats. In small amounts, all of these things are fine. I don't know, I would never recommend oxidized fats, but in small amounts, there's nothing inherently wrong with a carbohydrate. But what happens is, is the excess consumption is definitely inflammatory. And that becomes the issue. And it really becomes the issue because when we look at Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's is type three diabetes of the brain. And it's these excess longstanding consumption of carbohydrates, refined foods over the allotted caloric value that end up causing brain damage, essentially really damage the brain. And those are the things that become very inflammatory. Meat and chicken and all of these things are not inflammatory. It is more of an agenda-driven emotional aspect, which is confusing the science for people because it really is the black sheep of the macronutrient family. If you think about it, nobody argues if carbohydrates are good for you or bad for you. No one argues if a Twinkie or excess fat is bad for you. But when it comes to protein, it's very emotional for people because it has a face and rightly so. It becomes a much more personal choice and that personal experience and that personal fundamental belief can skew the science and make a lot of propaganda where it's unnecessary. With that being said, it's really important to stay in alignment with your beliefs, right? So I would never say if you have inherent belief that emotionally and spiritually you don't want to consume animal products, then I totally support that decision. So that's kind of where all of that confusion and and things of that nature come up. Mm. I appreciate you kind of clearing that up a little bit. 
There are other benefits of protein that people don't think about as well. So protein, I know, you know, basically essential amino acids are necessary for the construction of our cells. They're necessary for the detoxification of our body. Can you speak a little bit to the reason why amino acids are so important in the body and how they play a big role in not even the longevity of metabolic flexibility, which is so key. I mean, you think about most of the chronic diseases today, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, metabolic disease, that's all the lack of that inability to have that flexibility, right? We're just we're just completely creating inflammation, as you mentioned before, because our caloric intake is just too high in those realms. But there are also a ton of benefits for, I mean, hence why it's one of the most important key macronutrients. But a lot of people don't realize how important of a role amino acids play in the building block of, well, not only cell mitosis, but also in the, you know, just the process of detoxification of our cellular function in the body. Yep. And it is, protein is essential for, I'll give you an example. We always think about high blood pressure. Well, at least I do. In my clinic, I think about high blood pressure. One of the amino acids necessary for vasodilation is arginine. Arginine comes from dietary protein. That is just one example. Another example would be if you think about glutamine. We hear a lot of people talk about adding extra glutamine to help GI health, all of these things. They're absolutely correct. Most of the dietary glutamine that we eat is sequestered in the intestines to help heal them. It's essentially the fuel for the intestines, also for the immune cells, for the macrophages, for the lymphocytes. So your your baseline immunity is all fed on protein, your thyroid hormone. All of these things are based on the building blocks of, of protein, and you cannot swap out a carbohydrate or a fat for that. It is essentially the building blocks. Let's talk about stress. If the body is stressed, the first thing that it does is it begins to break down muscle. It begins to break down muscle to then liberate those amino acids. So essentially, amino acids are exactly what you know, it sounds like they are the building blocks for every single thing in our body, really for everything. I really wanted to emphasize that and, and have you emphasize that because I, I don't think people understand the important role that protein plays in the body. And I wanted to just have you kind of shine light on that. Now, what I've learned about my, my amazing listeners, my audience, is that a lot of them are dealing with stubborn weight. They most likely are probably cutting back on carbs or eating more protein they're trying all the different diets that are out there right now, trying to figure out what's going to work. And they, some of them are moving. I can't really, you know, I, I know that they're trying to move their bodies, probably not doing heavy weights. I think we're still working through the, the, you know, people still have myths around lifting heavy weights. But what can we do? What can you give a cake study or an example of someone that you've really just, you've helped with weight that they cannot let go of to save their life? Absolutely. So I have one patient and she's just been miraculous. She had struggled with her weight for about 12 years. She was eating roughly 800 calories to 1200 calories, tracked everything. She's in her mid forties. She's a high powered attorney, really amazing woman. She was doing high intensity interval training. She was doing weight training. There was nothing that she wasn't doing. She had tried every diet under the book. So what did we do? We got her baseline blood work. We found that she not only had heavy metals and environmental toxins, which when you have those, the body puts on excess body fat and won't lose body fat because toxins tend to be stored in body fat, right? So if the body has 
high levels of these toxins, then you end up having to get it out of the blood and it can either go to say bone or it goes to adipose tissue. So we found that she had heavy metals, some other environmental toxins. We also found that she had two parasites. So she had whipworm and another parasite. When you have internal parasites, the body ends up getting a, a leaky gut, which is permeability in that intestinal lining. And so then when you eat food, the food particles are bigger than they should be. And they pass through that leaky gut lining and go into the bloodstream. When that happens, the body's immune system kicks up. And then the foods that you're eating, even if they're healthy, say chicken, right? You don't feel good after you eat it because now your immune cells begin to attack this and it creates what we call food sensitivities. So she had multiple food sensitivities to things that she was having every day. And she also had hypothyroidism, which she was being treated from my perspective incorrectly. I'm very particular about how I, I treat thyroid and it just, she wasn't optimized. So she was being treated for hypothyroidism, but the, the treatment wasn't optimized. So I, I looked at other blood markers and we put her in a time-restricted feeding window, which I fasted her and had her eat in an eight to nine hour window started heat therapy, which is sauna therapy. I always recommend sauna therapy also for detoxification. And there's a lot of good data coming out on that. I recommend that three times a week or start with 20 minutes and you can titrate up. And we tested her hormones. We balanced all that stuff out. We eliminated her food sensitivities. We treated her gut. We treated her heavy metals. And since she's been with me, I think it's maybe been maybe four months, six months, she's lost over 55 pounds. All body fat, all body fat. So no muscle. She's increased her lean tissue. It's all fat loss. What I'm learning from that in particular is clearly there's a, there, there is a lot of, well, one, she really needed a doctor who knew what was going on. And there were a lot of pieces going on there, not only the heavy metals, but also the Hajimoto's. There's other things happening with um, her hormones. And so really looking at the labs to figure out what's going on. Are there any recommendations? And we talked about the 90 grams of protein that we should be consuming every single day and making sure that we're doing weight resistance. Are there any other key recommendations that if indeed that not everyone's as blessed to have you as a doctor like me, but what are some other things that we can get people doing before they have to head in and find a functional practitioner? Really tracking and being aware of what you're putting in your mouth, right? So you can't change what you don't track. It's really essential to actually have an honest assessment of what you're doing and really getting clear on what that looks like. So that's number one. Number two is also understanding where your workouts are, where and how you're moving your physical body. So physical body, physical movement is no different than tracking nutrition. You need to have targeted goals. And I'm not talking about weight goals. I'm saying targeted weight lifting goals. So you know how heavy you're lifting this. You know how fast you're rowing. You know your run time. It's all about becoming 1% better every day and really taking stock of the big picture certainly eliminating the foods that you inherently know that you shouldn't be having. I guarantee you, ask anyone and they will say, I'm doing this, but I know I shouldn't be. So taking that right off the table and really, really having an honest and transparent assessment of where you're starting at. 
that would be number one. So you get the nutrition piece together, which is dietary protein with every meal. I see people often over consuming fat and also having alcohol. If you want to change your metabolism and you don't have a lot of metabolic flexibility, really eliminating alcohol is important. Is there anything else that we should be eliminating as well? Like it's got to go. Alcohol being one of them, right? I mean, you're taxing the liver and it's just empty sugar. It's empty sugar calories. So it depends on how aggressive an individual wants to be. So if someone wanted results right away, I would say protein and greens will make your dreams come true. Truly, I mean that. But if someone didn't want to go to that extreme, I would say really, and it's not about eliminating food groups, it's about really refining your consumption. So I would start them on a much lower carbohydrate diet. I would remove grains for the time being. I would remove starchy carbs. I would really focus on increasing green leafy vegetables and filling up on that and then having enough protein. Perfect. I think that that's a great way to start. I love those recommendations. And I think a lot of people can make those adaptations. And I agree with you, girl. Protein and greens are the ticket. Greens are such a great way of not only supporting hormones, but also, as you know, really ensuring that our digestive system is functioning properly. And they'll find that they actually won't be as hungry, right? So these are the precursor for neurotransmitters. Everyone focuses on fat for satiation, but while fat is not inherently bad, it's the protein that helps with the neurotransmitter creation. And that, that is key when we think about emotional eating or compulsive eating or any of those kind of eating or disordered relationship with food cravings. There's something called the, if anyone wants to look it up, there's something called the protein leverage hypothesis. And it's a really fascinating concept. Again, that's protein leverage hypothesis. And it's the concept that the human body will eat to get to a certain amount of protein and amino acids. So if you are consuming a, a diet that is much lower in protein, your body will continue to drive to feed until you satisfy that need. Because again, they're called essential amino acids for a reason, because they're essential and the body wants to survive. That is something very interesting for people to look up. So you have a gift for us. And I, I know it's a protocol. Girl, tell me a little bit more about what you have for us that can really help help support my listeners. Yes. I have a free protocol that they can download on my website, and that's drgabriellelion.com. And it will give them an overview of everything that I'm talking about in much more detail. And while I call it a four-week reset, it's essentially something that can be done for a lifetime. And it will really help your listeners. And again, it's free and very self-explanatory. It talks about the concept that muscle is the organ of longevity and the largest organ in the body and why it's so important to maintain and how to maintain it. It will give them dietary recommendations. There's some recipes in there. They can follow me on Instagram as well. So I post more educational things on my link tree, the link in the bio. And that will also be very helpful. Perfect. We'll definitely go follow Dr. Gabrielle on Insta. Dr. Gabrielle, honey, what is your Insta handle? Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. 
I just see all the beautiful pictures that you post and all the great information. I was like, okay, I just know it's, I didn't know if it was full Dr. Gabrielle Lyon or it was Dr. Gabrielle. So Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Gabrielle, honey, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. You've given us a lot of food for thought in terms of how we should be structuring our diet, not only for longevity, but also, which I think a lot of women are trying to figure out how to rev up their metabolism. And this is where your expertise comes into play. And you have made it feel that we can make some pretty big strides. I mean, clearly if there's other things going on, we need to look into them, but at least we can make some dietary and movement changes today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your tribe and community. It's uh, very important to me because I believe that everybody deserves the health of their dreams. I believe that they all deserve to live in a way that they can have the body and the health and the wellness of their, of their dreams, really. And I love that. Thank you so much, Penny. See you soon. Okay, bye. Talk about dispelling myths around muscle and protein consumption. So often women are given misinformation about our bodies, especially about our muscles and what our protein intake should be. And that is why I'm so grateful that there are female doctors out in the field focusing on this area of medicine to really clear up the myths, debunk what dogma is out there and give us the real truth. Now, Dr. Lyon has brought unparalleled results to her patients with personalized advanced nutritional interventions, metabolic and genetic testing, and behavioral action plans that literally leave no stone unturned. And I can attest to that because I am one of her patients. If you're interested in learning more, check out Dr. Gabrielle's exclusive Lyon protocol. The link will be in the show notes, or you can just go to www.drgabriellelyon.com. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. We have so much more in store for you. I just can't, can't wait. Next week, joining me is going to be Jennifer Fugo, and we're going to be talking about the hidden reasons your chronic skin rashes won't go away. I love Jen. I know you're going to love her as well. So we're going to really uncover some of those stubborn, crazy rashes that I know so many of us can't seem to figure out and can't seem to resolve. And she does it in such a beautiful manner with a lot of empathy and grace. I know you're going to love it. So I can't wait for you guys to join us on the next episode with Jennifer. And until then, have an incredible day. 